Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. Podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron Roger and Doug to join Andrews. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So we got some sad news. Uh, Dave Hebner passed away. He is Earl's brother. He's most famous for being in. Uh, I can't remember which match. Aaron, which match was that? With uh, I think it was Hogan. Yeah, it's the Hogan Andre storyline from uh, Main Event Saturday Night's Main Event, where they had the uh, Hogan had his a shoulder out, but uh, still counted to three, and Andre won the belt. And then Earl came out, and then it was, I guess, the first instance of Twin Magic. Uh, it was, I think, the highest-rated uh, uh, wrestling, uh, you know, event of all time. Uh, but yeah, very sad. You know, Earl Hutner obviously is is the more famous of the two, but Dave was very integral in that storyline. And you know, of course, losing a twin brother is, is I can only imagine, uh, incredibly sad. So Dave was was um, you know really, or Earl was very upset with uh, with Dave's passing uh, when it took place. Uh, always sad to hear people who uh, pass away in the wrestling business, and uh, this is nonetheless sad. Also, may he rest in peace. And speaking of uh, that connection, uh, Tim White also had a pretty good connection with uh, uh, Andre the Giant. He was one of the few guys that uh, kind of uh, got got to hang out with Andre and got to hang with the boys. So uh it's very sad that he passed away i mean is there anything that you can remember that you prefer that you like that tim did roger um Aaron and i were talking about this before we started i do remember the very uncomfortable videos he made i want to say in the early 2000s where he was basically trying to commit suicide which and looking at even in um hindsight like at the time i thought it was tasteless and it just was awkward and it didn't really land well for me it's just you know look i i'm a big fan of gallows humor and dark humor but there are some topics that just aren't funny and i never thought that one was particularly funny um especially since we were only less than five years removed from owen hart's tragic passing so i you know unfortunate i remember tim white the ref i don't remember him being in any big storyline sad to see someone pass so certainly also rest in peace i think he had a uh, he was involved in the HBO documentary on Andre the Giant and had some great stories about him behind the scenes and just kind of showed how uh, Andre was, you know, very down to earth and human. And uh, I remember him from that. I remember him from the angle that uh, Roger was talking about. And again, it's just it's it's always sad when uh, people pass away. All right. So let's talk about some more negative news. Jeff Hardy, he's in rehab again. What happened? He decided to drink and drive in Florida and could not stay in his lane. And that uh, police video was very interesting, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, so he got a DUI. He's in rehab. Uh, I mean, Aaron, at what point do we have to say, come on, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, there is, they say when you're addicted to substance, like when you have substance abuse issue, it's a like ongoing thing. You're constantly like you have to you know, do something about that. And I get that with, with Jeff and even with like the Usos, uh, whichever one it is. So yeah, I'd say, I think it's Jay, Jimmy. Uh, I believe both have had a DUI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, and I get that. I just, I, at what point in time when you have as much money as you do, then Uber or a cab or any of that stuff isn't usable. Like I get like, you know, he was drunk. 
Like, he, he, like, fell off the wagon, had a drink. That doesn't mean that he's a bad person. It's getting behind the wheel. It's swerving. It's doing all that stuff. And that's that's the thing that is just mind-boggling to me. It's not getting a DUI. Like, you get one DUI, maybe even a second DUI after, like, a, a, a you know, at some point in time. Like, I get it. Like, you know, you made a mistake. You made a second mistake. All right? Do not make a third mistake. Like, you should not make a mistake that often. And Jeff Hardy, it was somebody that has the reputation that he does. He should be trying twice as hard, I think, to not do that, to show, like, hey, I'm a really great guy. You know, he's on Talk as Jericho like, the previous week talking about, like, WWE, let me go. It was kind of stupid because, like, I wasn't doing anything wrong, you know? And then he gets DUI. The problem isn't necessarily uh... – the that they don't think that they're going to get a DUI. The problem is is that they don't think they're as bad as the last time they got a DUI. Oh, I'm not as bad. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good to go. I can do this. You know, I, I didn't drink as much as I did last time. The problem is is you have a problem with drinking. You need to stop. You should not be driving at all. Mostly because I don't even think he has a valid license. So it was suspended you know, at the time he was pulled over. Right. Which uh which where I live then uh, we could seize your vehicle. Like we, we can take it. <laughs> so why even risk that? Not only the jail time, you're going to risk your vehicle, you're going to risk the lives of everybody around you, uh, including your own. Uh, it, it's not worth the risk. Get get a driver even. I mean, like, get a professional driver just to take you from here to there and just hang out with you and everything like that. I'm sure there are plenty of people that would love that job that would probably do it for the cheap just to be able to hang out with Jeff Hardy just to be his professional driver to go from one place to the next. I'm also surprised that there weren't like a fan. There wasn't a fan wherever he was drinking because you would think the fan would be like, "Hey, let me drive you wherever." And because well, that might have been the problem too, where a fan just keeps buying him alcohol, and next thing you know, you don't know that you're drunk. I can't oh, I didn't say that much. Really, a fan of Jeff Hardy if you're buying him alcohol. Just gonna be honest with you. Um, there's there's some very bad people that just want to see other people burn. Sure, but that's what I would say is that I don't I don't think a actual fan of Jeff Hardy. They may know Jeff Hardy, but they don't wish the best for him if they're buying him alcohol. No, I I said it when he got signed. I didn't think it was a good idea for AEW to sign him. I wanted no part of him because Jeff Hardy is an addict. I mean, it just is what it is. He makes poor choices. If he had fallen off the wagon and gotten drunk at home, I would have felt bad for him. But he didn't put anybody in danger. The problem is. Time after time, he has put other people's lives in danger. I said it about the Ruggs incident where somebody killed somebody. At some point, Jeff Hardy will kill somebody. Not he might. He will kill someone if he continues to drive drunk. And do you as AEW want to have AEW superstar kill so-and-so behind the wheel of a car after fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever DUI it is? I'm sorry. Look, I feel bad for Jeff, but we've seen this in TNA. We've seen this in WWE. We've seen this in AEW. He has a problem. He needs help. And more importantly, he refuses to put things in place that stop him from doing this. He shouldn't be driving, period, at all. There's no reason for someone like him who continually relapses. This is third DUI in five years. He shouldn't be driving at all. Have a driver. Have Matt take you out. I don't know his personal situation, whether it's girlfriend or wife or whatever. Have someone in charge of your car because clearly you can't be trusted. And the fact that he hasn't, to me, if I'm AEW, bye. There should be no second chances. Go, you need to leave. You, you cannot perform for us. You are a liability to society. You are a liability to this company. No, I, I simply don't want to see AEW get dragged into this nonsense. You have put WWE, of all people, on the moral high ground. That's ridiculous, and that should never happen. It's time to be done with them. Even if they were great, like the Usos are still one of the best tag teams in the world, at some point your DUIs become a problem. Jeff and Matt, you know, Jeff needs to go. Matt needs to go for different reasons. But Jeff, no, I just don't trust him. And I'm sorry to see that he fell off the wagon, but – you can't keep putting lives in danger because you have a drinking problem. That's not fair to everyone else. 
Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, weird th- or bad things, negative things, we have more to, co- to give you guys. So Vince steps down as CEO due to some uh, allegations against him. Um, but here's the weird part. Um, after he stepped down, he went on SmackDown and Raw to announce Welcome to Raw, Welcome to SmackDown for no reason. I don't get it, but who knows? But he's still involved in creative, which I think is the more interesting yeah, piece. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're doing that. And then, you know, with the potential of them changing from PG to 14, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, Roger, do you think it's actually important that uh, Vince uh, is still with creative? Or do you think it's time for him to finally move on? Well, I'll let Doug and, and Aaron talk about Vince McMahon as far as creative. I'll say this. It isn't surprising based on the character that he has played behind the scenes and the rumors that we've heard. And as much as people like to mock the, oh, knowing Vince, I don't think anyone who's heard any story about Vince McMahon is surprised that he was having an affair. I think we're surprised it took this long to come out, to be quite honest. So um, him stepping down is obviously only ceremonial. It means very little since he's got all of his stocks. It's still his company. Until that man is six feet under, he will be running this company until he chooses otherwise. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Stephanie is back. Woohoo. It's the same old, same old. Nothing, you know, then, now, and forever. <laughs> I mean, they always said the the best characters are always the ones that take their own personality and bump it up to uh, a 10 or above. So seeing what Vince was in the ring, yeah, not surprised it was happening behind the scenes also. Um, it, it's still his world. He's going to control it. He's going to do whatever he wants with it. Uh, he'll he'll name Stephanie if it needs to for the stock price purposes or anything like that. But it's still his world. Even if he did step down from creative, he's going to call the shots from behind the scenes. Um, I can't remember what the Mets manager was that got kicked out of the game but came back with a mustache. That's Probably very much what. Time. Yeah, Vince will do the same thing. He'll he'll come back with a mustache if he needs to. Like it, he, he is always going to have his hand on the. Well, I don't know if it's on the pulse because I don't know if it's still beating over there. Um, I think we know exactly where his hands are, and the pulse has nothing to do with it. <laughs> so that's 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 my two cents. I, I just eh, good riddance. All right, so let's talk some uh, really good wrestling. We had uh, AEW had there for a bit indoor, and uh, one of the one of the big highlights I thought uh, definitely was FTR. They won the IWGP Tag Titles. I mean. I mean that's a that's a unheard of. I mean, how many times has that title even like changed hands? You know, in the states, so that's a kind of a, I think a big deal. So, Aaron, what did you think about um, FTR uh, winning the tag titles? Yeah, I think it's awesome because I, I, like we all picked them to win. Uh, you know, they're kind of doing the belt collector gimmick essentially as a tag team, and I don't think we've ever really seen anything like this before. You know, they of course uh, previously were the uh, they are the Lucha Libre AAA uh, Worldwide Champions. Then they won the Ring of Honor titles from the Briscoes, which they're actually going to be facing at the uh, next Ring of Honor pay per view, which I think will be great. And then they went and they won the IWGP title, so they have three championships right now. Potentially, they might go for the AEW one, um, which I think would be pretty cool to have. You know, four titles around them, so they'll almost look like Ultimo Dragon, uh, you know, from WCW back in the day. But they are the best tag team right now uh, on the planet. You know, I think that, you know, it's uh, it's early in the year still, but I think that they're probably a lock for the tag team of the year, most likely, based on what they've been doing. You know, and I don't think that there really is a close second. I mean, you could talk about what the Usos have done, but I just feel like they haven't had really good 
uh, dance partners, whereas FTR has. FTR has had really great dance partners. You know, I think back to when we uh, it was Sasha versus Bailey, and it was like, who's your woman of the year? And it was one of those two because they had they were dance partners. And FTR has been dancing with the Briscoes, with Young Bucks, you know, with um, the Lucha Brothers, uh, you know, with so many other really great tag teams. And so, like to me, like what they've been able to accomplish is absolutely fantastic. No, this is this is great. This is a better belt collector storyline than uh, Kenny Omega had. So, um, good to them. They are the best thing going right now in tag team wrestling. I, it, I'm very interested to see what they do with AEW and the tag team titles there, um, and where they go from there. But you know what? Do they need the AEW tag team titles? Not necessarily, because they've had them. I just think it would be one of those cool, neat things to have every belt and come out with every single belt. Um, and, and they they well, they well deserve it. And it's only a matter of time, though, to, to see them, you know, uh, I, I hate to say, it, you know, you win, you win a belt. It's only time until you see them lose it. So, unfortunately, you know, let, let's let's uh, live the ride as we, we have it right now and enjoy it. WWE had them shaving each other's backs and doing pranks on, I believe the Usos are taking pranks from the Usos. If you want like a perfect example of misused talent who who took the, uh, what, what does Vince like to say? The brass ring and ran with it, it is FTR. They went from underutilized, I think we voted them most underutilized in one of our awards one year, to unquestionably the best tag team in wrestling right now. And without their own company's tag team title, FTR is the most over tag team in the company by far. Their matches are great, whether it's with the Briscoes or with the Bucks. They're just fun, and they're organic faces. They feel fun. I love the different style of matches. I'm looking forward to Death Before Dishonor. Good job on them. While I would like them to win the AEW titles, I don't feel like they need them, which is great. I love that you can have them separate from those titles, and they still feel equally as important. That is, I love tag team wrestling, and I, I wish WWE did as well, and I'm glad AEW does because it's fun to watch these two go. Uh, something interesting also happened uh, at the pay-per-view. It was uh, proven that um, the former Cesaro was not a cameraman uh, for AEW because he actually showed up and wrestled Zack Sabre uh, Jr., which was uh, uh, awesome, uh, to say the least. Um, but, Roger, what did you what did you think about the fact that actually Claudio signed with, I mean, AEW opposed to WWE because everyone thought he was just going to be a WWE guy? I mean, didn't Vince specifically call out um, Cesaro as the type of person that can't get over for whatever reason. I mean, it's just, he never seemed like he fit in WWE because he's not a great talker. And, you know, it's not like you can't hide those kind of things with a manager, apparently. So, no, it's a perfect move. He fits in the Blackpool Combat Club like a glove. I love the history of him and Eddie Kingston. For those who haven't seen it, there's a great YouTube video about that whole backstory. Him and Brian Danielson and William Regal and Moxley and Yuta are just violent and they're fun. And gosh, Cesaro, the way he started that match against Zack Sabre was awesome. I loved every moment of it. He fits like a glove. I mean, just perfect signing. I wouldn't have minded him going to NJPW and wrestling in the G1 for sure. But I also love him in AEW. There's so much potential, so many good matches I can think of. I'm glad he signed. It's just the right fit and you make room for a guy like him. 
I'm just glad he got a second name again, you know, instead of having just one name or, or he had, he named, he had that name. It was Cesaro. I can't remember what the last Antonio name was. Cesaro. Antonio Cesaro. And then all of a sudden, nope, can't have two names in WWE. So you got to go down to one. Uh, I think it actually would have been awesome if Daniel O'Brien came out and said, you know what? I think even the cameraman could beat you up. Zack Sabre Jr. And then reveal that it's him. But you know what? Teach their own again. Whatever quirks you have or booking, it always sounds better in your own mind. But whatever works, it's. I'm still super happy to see him there. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does. I mean, there's a guy that you can put the, you know, the new Intercontinental title or whatever they call it there, uh, on him, uh, and then build him up, and then eventually, yeah, I could see him as AEW champion. I will say I like that they. Call, that Cesaro specifically stood by the cameraman and kind of made the like, kind of looks like me. So like, it was a smart play on that because they were pretty close in height. Like I was like, oh, I could see it. it it's funny. Yeah, and, and he also uh, really shined that blood and guts, you know, in mm-hmm. that match. And then he also wrestled uh, Jake Hager uh, the following week, you know, or two weeks after that. And that was also, you know, really good. So, and, and it was funny because, like, when the wrestling was like, oh, yeah, duh, they were the, you know, um, the real Americans, right, is mm-hmm. what they were. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, I forgot about that. But, you know, they're actually putting on a really good match here. Like, and I think that that's great. Like, it's good to see him in there. He's a technician. And he, you know, I, I criticized AEW because uh, in the beginning they had signed so much, like, indie indie talent. Like, people that, you know, I don't think they should necessarily be there. You know, there, there was a lot where, okay, they're going to be on national TV here. Claudio, though, he deserves to be on national TV. He is a star. He looks like a star. He wrestles like a star. And he is going to put over a lot of really great young talent. We're going to see him put them into some really great storylines, but it's going to be pretty awesome. And I cannot wait to see that. All right. So, uh, some interesting stuff happened. Uh, I mean, there was a whole thing with, uh, CM Punk getting hurt and he was going to relinquish the title, but they decided to do a thing, a weird thing. What, what, what did, did he exactly do? He just made Moxley the interim champion. Is that right, Aaron? Yeah, so CM Punk is still AEW champion right now, and uh, Moxley's the interim champion. Now, eventually, they will have a match where one of them will win, and my understanding is whoever wins, the lineage is that title. That's my understanding of it. And am I getting correct? No? Okay, Roger? What's the... Uh... Um, the lineage is essentially Punk has the championship. Moxley is the number one contender when Punk comes back. They will, it's the UFC does this all the time. They will unify the championship, but the championship will stay either Punk retains as champion or Moxley becomes the actual AEW champion as opposed to interim. So right now, he doesn't, I don't believe he gets credited with a second rank because he needs to beat Punk before he is the actual AEW world champion. And if Punk wins, he is still on his first AEW championship reign. Yeah, my, my question is, uh, then would Moxley's reign start from when he won the title from Hiroshi Tanahashi, or does it start when him and Punk wrestle? It starts when he beats Punk. Okay. All right. So there. Uh, so that we got that clear up. So Moxley is the interim champion right now. Uh, so as, to Roger's point, essentially number one contender for the title. Probably all out. Maybe we'll see CM Punk return potentially if he gets better by that time, and then we would see those two uh, battle. I think that match could be really great. I know they wrestled back in WWE way back when. That's when Moxley was, you know, not 
anywhere near what he is today. So I think that match could be really good. And I think the War of Words could also be really good for whenever they do battle. And hopefully it would be all out because that's going to be in the Chicago area. And obviously we would have a pretty hostile crowd in there, um, you know, for, for Moxley, which I think could actually help feed and make that match even better. The match was good. Uh, it was exciting. I mean, this was one of those things, though, that I think that they could have pulled a little bit of the swerve. Uh, I guess that was my biggest problem with Forbidden Door was most of it was um, expected. You you figured the when it was when it came to the title runs, the AEW guys were going to win if they had the AEW title. Forbidden uh, uh, New Japan was going to win if New Japan had the title on the line. I guess the FTR was the only one that really was a switch, but. I'm excited to see FTR go to New Japan. So this one being what it is, cool, no problem. I mean, like you said, though, it was an interim championship. That can that can change hands all the time, and it wouldn't matter. Like, that could be a thing that just keeps on flipping until you have to face Punk. You keep flipping that until you get to the person that you want. Or you can have them build up to that aspect. It's like, that could build up somebody that is like oh cool we, we're not ready for the title to have the, uh, the guy to have the title this time or we want to test the waters on who can have the title at this time and then build them up that way and then they could lose it before punk returns just because that's not we're not ready for them to have it yet So my kind of thoughts is this. A, the match was fine, but I agree with Doug entirely that it was pretty chalk. You kind of knew who was going to win. And it didn't take away from the fact that, look, did I think JY was ever going to lose the title? No. And that's totally fine. The match was what it was. Um, I think there are two big points. A, as much as we love the idea of dream cards, there's kind of a reason that they don't happen that often is that, like, look, I would have loved to see Okada versus Brian, but somebody has to lose. And if you kind of look at the way they structured it, they always had someone in the match you could understand who was going to lose. So you're never going to get that, you know, one A star versus one A star because neither company wants to have their one A star lose. And then I think there's a, a different point that like, look, did I hate the idea of punk winning? Not necessarily, but boy, it was a bit disappointing not to have AEW's world champion be at forbidden door. And if Hangman had reti- retained, he's there. You could have had Hangman versus Okada for the championship. And that's interesting. So, you know, I don't want to just say like, oh, in hindsight, Tony Khan should have known because you shouldn't have known. Like, there's no way to know that Punk's going to get hurt. But it ended up being a mistake in the sense that like you didn't get to have your champion at Forbidden Door. And I think if Hangman retains and he's defending there, it's a bigger event and it's a bigger moment because Hangman did not feel like he had a chance in winning the NJPW title. Just, you know, I, I want to put it on Punk and I said that before the thing and I think it didn't work out. It just is what it is. And uh, speaking of, uh, you know, let's talk about someone who just won a, the TNT title, just fresh off his feud with MJF. We had Wardlow. He wins the TNT title. Uh, I thought in a very quick and decisive match. Uh, wow. Uh, Roger, are you surprised that they gave the belt to him so fast? No. I mean, if we're being honest, the TNT belt went from Miro, who had the best run that we've ever seen. In the, with the TNT title to Sammy and Scorpio ping ponging back and forth to combine for the worst run we've actually seen with the TNT title. Like it was bad. Neither one of them elevated that championship. I think the only good thing about Scorpio Sky's run was his Lakers themed belt. That was it. The, everything else about it sucked. I don't need to go into depth why Sammy Guevara's run sucked because we all know it was terrible. It just 
neither one of them should have been TNT champion. The only good moment to Sammy's thing was him beating Miro in the first place. But, you know, whereas Wardlow, it's going to be fun. I, I just think he's the kind of guy who can open up every show. There's a lot of energy. I think it's a good way for him to get better. Where he can learn to work with a bunch of different types of styles. He can, you know, that powerbomb symphony is fun. I don't think that's really a solution for a long-term finisher. A single powerbomb is fine, but that's not something you can just, you know, he's not going to powerbomb Brian Danielson 10 times. They're just, they're not going to do that. And honestly, even against MJF, you can kind of see after a while, it's like, you got to stop this. It can be the type of thing he does in a post-match beatdown or if he wants to prove a point. But I want to see him expand his wrestling repertoire and prove that you are one of the next four pillars. And it's a great way for him to do it. So I like it. I think he should have a mirror-like run as a face where he defends it every single week on television or every other week. And then sooner or later, someone exposes a weakness. And a guy like, I don't know, Ricky Starks, capitalizes on it and takes that title from him because to me Wardlow is money and you build him up and then the next guy who beats him is also money so it's a two for one situation if you do this right what do you think they should actually change his finishing move to because I that's the one thing I was debating with them and the only thing I could really think of that really was like all right I could see him do it was like a forearm like a kind of like Lex Luger's he used to use the F5. I would. I think that's a better looking move. Um, I also think you can do a power bomb, but I would have him do something that looked cool, like a running power bomb. So I'd have him set up from the corner, from the buckle, and he just runs to the middle of the ring like Mike Austin used to do, and drives the guy down to the mat. That looks awesome. I mean, not to use the pun, but that is a legitimately cool finishing move. And when someone kicks out, it'll be a big deal. You can have the call and response with the crowd. You can do it off the top turn. But I mean, it's just there's a lot of things to do with. It. So I think a powerbomb is fine. I just don't like the idea of powerbomb after powerbomb after powerbomb. Like, look, you want to do that to Darby Allen. Who cares? He's you know 105 pounds soaking wet. I don't necessarily think you should be powerbombing John Moxley 10 times either. So, you know, change it to a running powerbomb. Maybe he has to do it once or twice. So be it. But it shouldn't be the symphony every single time that should be a special thing i'm excited for him um i thought he had a good run with mjf this would be a nice way to keep him up in the the news and everything like that um it is i don't know necessary but he he is uh he is definitely going to get his chance to shine and we'll see what he can do and eventually yeah he's another person that can just again move up and hopefully contend for the AEW title eventually i hope they don't push him like ryback because that's kind of what i would i was starting to see out of it um especially when he was uh feuding with punk for that short little time it's like oh goody we get to see punk versus ryback again so please don't do that AEW. but at the same time slow and steady sure no problem long-term burking they proved that they can do it eventually saying you didn't want to be fed more of that i do not want to be fed more of that no no no, I'm good. I, I, will say, I, I will say, I was, I, I like what they've done with War, though. I do think him wrestling 21 security guards or whatever that was, was a bit much. And then they had him, like, pin them. Like, where... The pile? Pin them, because he, like, put them in a pile, and none of them had their shoulders down except for maybe the one guy, and it's like, hey, you pin six, seven, eight, and nine. It's like, what? Like... Well, so they screwed up at the very beginning when he just knocked him off the apron and they said, those guys are eliminated. Yeah. It's like, not even in a Royal Rumble are those guys eliminated because they haven't stepped in the mat. Honestly, that's a match that you just do as a battle royal. Like, you know, you have him chuck people in and out of the ring. He can powerbomb them outside onto the big spot. But yeah, 21 people was just, there's a time for that kind of stupidity and that was not it. But also, it's 21 security guards, so it was kind of like, eh, this is dumb, but whatever. 
Yeah. But I, I agree with all your guys' uh points. You do that at the uh, all-out or all-in pay-per-view as the startup. You know, just throw the whole 20, because it's 21. Oh. Yeah, it's a blackjack that, match. I also think that's a good cool-down match. Like, that's something yeah. between important matches where you have him come out and kind of screw around and, and, you know, let the crowd get reset and things like that, because it's, you know, it's obvious. It's not like you're... No one's paying a ton of money to watch Wardlow squash security guards. Yeah. <laughs> now, and also, in addition, speaking of the title changes, we also had Swerve in Our Glory win the AEW tag titles, which was uh, kind of a surprise. Uh, Roger and I were, were discussing this earlier, and I said I actually thought that we we're going to see Starks and Hobbs win the titles because it really seemed like that. And those false finishes at the end of that match were fantastic. Like that was probably I don't want to say the best televised match I've seen all year, but like you know, like for for TV, but like I at least top five. Like that was really good. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that match, and the endings were like just top notch. I think having Swerve in our glory win is actually probably a really good thing because they tease the breakup. It's like, oh, okay, I think this is going to happen. And there was kind of a weird thing that Swerve was doing in the match where I'm like, why would he hit Keith Lee if he has the title? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense yet. Like, why would he hit him? Like, you know, now it just, that, that was a little weird. Um, so then to see them win, I was like, oh, that's, a, that's interesting. I actually don't think that this is going to be a long reign, though. I, I could see this being a shorter reign. I could see this being a couple of months, maybe even maybe all out. You could maybe see them lose the titles. So like maybe one title defense and then they lose it. But either way, having them win the titles, I think is really cool. And it kind of puts them on the map as potential tag team, but also potential single stars if they go their separate ways. Does anybody know what's going on with Keith Lee right now? I know there was a um, cryptic tweet that was sent out, but then Tony Khan was asked about it. He has a good friend who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So um, Tony Khan wisely sidestepped and said that's his business to show and to speak about. But, you know, basically he said, you know, a brother of mine is going through something very tough and totally fair. You know, cancer Mm -hmm. sucks. There's no question about that. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not. Um, I was a little surprised just because I had read about that, uh, and it was kind of ambiguous, the article that I read. So I was very surprised to see when they won because I watched the replay today. And I was like, huh, because they were speculating that he might be out again. So I'm glad that he is okay, and I'm hope that, I, I hope they run for a little bit. But I was also a little curious, and maybe I missed something on Dark or something where I don't get why Swerve and them, him are necessarily – like it also seems a little bit repetitive because you had Adam Page and Omega do this thing too. So uh, I'll be interested to see where it goes. I'm glad that they won. I love Keith Lee. He, I think he's an excellent talent. Swerve, I can see some talent, but I'm also, you know, he's my Marty Jannetty in this. He is he your Marty Jannetty or you're the Miz? He is the Marty Jannetty in this tag team. I will say, Swerve and Ricky Starks. I don't know how exactly you quantify whatever it is, but they both have it in spades. They have charisma for days. I mean, they're just, they're fun to watch in the ring. They interact with the crowd, especially Ricky Starks. I mean, that guy just screams future world champion to me. And I, I love Swerve uh, as part of Hit Row. I think he really found his character in kind of that TV stage when he became that rapper. And I, it doesn't feel forced and, and lame or anything like that. Um, I would have had money on the Bucks retaining just because they just won it. I mean, this was their first defense. I thought everyone was, was setting up for FTR versus the Bucks three, which, by the way, the best TV match of the year is FTR versus Bucks two. That's the number one TV match of the year. This might have been second. I mean, it was really good. Um, unless blood and guts. I don't know what you count that as. But 
I think it was a smart move because one thing that I will have criticized AEW for is that their title reigns are predictable. Almost all of them last five to six defenses. They go two or three months. And this one was a bit of a shock. Like, it was a smart swerve. It was it was a great uh, finish. <laughs> I actually jumped and cheered. Like, I legitimately didn't think Swerve was going to win it. And I thought at some point Starks might win it. When he hit that spear and he had, the, like, the fake tears crying, I was like, oh, they got the titles. I mean, it was just a really good match. I love these. I mean, you know, I've said this before. You've got four of these superstars who are people of color, but none of them have the WWE stereotypical, dumb, nonsensical gimmick. Like, they all feel legitimate and authentic and real, and they're fun to watch. Those two being tag champions is great. If they lose the Starks and Hop, that's great. I, this doesn't hurt the Bucks at all. Here's the only thing I will say criticizing this match. The Young Bucks had no business ever losing to the Hardy Boys. Ever. Ever. And I said it when it happened. The Young Bucks are one of your top teams. The Hardy Boys are a top team from 20 years ago. And yet you had the Hardys go over your feature tag team champions before Jeff got yet another DUI. Just an overall stupid move. And this is why you don't do things like that. Don't put over washed up talent over one of the best tag teams going currently. Because when you have to pivot, you still have this stupid scenario where technically the Hardys could argue that they deserve a title shot. I mean, it's just, it's dumb stuff like that. So don't make those decisions in the future. That's all. Well, the Hardys may have won the titles too. Like there was a possibility because it was supposed to be a triple threat uh, against the, you know, uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. So there was an AEW tag champion, Jeff Hardy, arrested for driving under the influence or having killed someone while driving under the influence. Yeah, you almost possibly had that. And I'm pretty sure that's where they were going with that until the Jeff Hardy thing happened. So we can actually thank Jeff Hardy for stopping us from having that scenario or situation in that aspect. I thought the Bucks were going to win this match just in the aspect that it, it seemed like they were going to try to dodge FTR for a long time. And I was very surprised again to see the 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 turn, but again, it doesn't hurt them because the young bucks are good enough that they don't need to have the titles to to feud with anybody. They can go be backup for somebody, or they can go build up another tag team if they want. They are an excellent tag team, and they're always going to be in contenders for tag team of the year. But uh, you know, good for Swerve and good for uh, Keith Lee, and I hope big things happen for them. Yeah, I echo your guys' thoughts. I was really happy to hear when they when I heard they won the titles. I was like, wow, that's that's impressive. So very happy for them. Let's move on to uh, WWE, Hell in the Cell, and Money in the Bank. Roger has already said what he wanted to talk about. So now let's move. Let's uh, talk about Cody Rhodes. Um, he tore his peck working out on a Tuesday, if I'm correct. He still wrestled in the cell on Sunday, and it looked disgusting. It looked like a big bruise all over, basically going up from pretty much his tattoo down to his ribs. It was very, very disgusting. Aaron, are you still, I mean, you know, I got to ask, Aaron, do you think it was smart to Cody take this chance? I actually think it was. And and that's going to sound weird because from everything that I had read and heard is that he could not do any additional damage to it that doctors had to clear him in order to do this. And of course, you know, if it's, if we're talking football, basketball, you know, any professional sport, no, that, that'd be stupid. You're dumb to do that. This is performance, right? And the match itself for the most part was pretty safe. Like the, they didn't do anything terribly crazy. There were some, you know, spots that I was like, Oh God, like putting the, the kendo stick into it. Obviously Seth Rollins wasn't putting it in there too hard, you know, like he was doing it enough and Rhodes is, you know, like selling it like crazy. And I mean, when we saw that, it looked terrible like i i thought at first like could this be makeup like because it looks so so bad and obviously he went out there and did that 
it puts him as like to Vince, which, you know, because he's still part of creative. And I think to everybody else that says like, Hey, Cody Rose was advertised as the main event for this. And he did it. Like he did not say no. And obviously they had to clear him for, it. you know, he had to get cleared. Now, would I do that? Absolutely not. Like there's absolutely no way I would have done that. I mean, I just, I screamed like a little girl, just not too long ago, getting something done. And like, there's no possible way I would ever go out there with a torn pack and wrestle and take those moves. Cause that had to hurt. Like that had to hurt so bad. Just any movement I can only imagine. So was it smart? Maybe. Cause I think he might win the world title out of it just by doing that. I think that might've put him in Vince's good graces. And that's something that to Cody is like, that's everything for him. He wants to win that world title. So I think that that is the reason why it's a smart move. So on the other side, like, but I've done that. Absolutely not. Hey, Aaron, just out of curiosity, which board does he have to get cleared by? Is it WWE's independent doctor that they don't utilize? <laughs> I just, I'm just curious because you mentioned earlier that it's entertainment, and I'm pretty sure actors and actresses do not have to get cleared by a medical board to entertain. Well, they gave him a Z-Pack, and he was fine. Oh, so they got cleared by the Z-Pack guy. Got it. Um, I'll say this before I let Doug go. That peck was gruesome and disgusting, and it was the second ugliest thing on Cody's body besides his tattoo. <laughs> he should take this time off to get his tattoo removed. I'm just saying, like, just put it on his chest. I understand the one side says dream. Put that on his chest. Like, get it off your neck, though, because it looks it, it still looks so bad. Now, if he was tatted, like, in his arms or somewhere, you know, more on his back, not just, like, you know, the Triforce on his, like, I think, ankle, it would make sense. And the dream on his chest, you would think there would be more. So, I think that's the big. I, I think that's the biggest problem. Plus, they use, like, that blue and red really stand out. Like, wow. Um, but, yeah. So, but, yeah, I... I think the whole thing with uh, with him just just having the balls to go out in there and do that. I mean, that just says something. I, and I really hope that you know they remember. Hey, he wrestled with a torn pack. You know, Triple H did that. We gave him the championship, but he's also the second best wrestler of all time, according to Aaron Hughes. So, so this is my my question though: is <clears throat> was it smart? Sure, okay. You know, you got Cody Rhodes to go out there. You got him to take out. Uh, Wait, who did he wrestle again? Seth freaking Seth, Rollins. Seth freaking Rollins. So, you know, I'm glad his career's going well, that he can lose to a guy with a torn pack in Hell in a Cell. Was it safe? Again, he wrestled Seth Rollins. How's Finn Balor doing? How's Sting? How's, uh, you know, the long list of people that have wrestled Rollins? Not that Rollins isn't safe. It's just really unfortunate. Was it safe? No. No, it's not. Uh, just it, it was, you know, it's an unfortunate accident. You you take the loss. You have Seth Rollins fight somebody in a surprise Hell in a Cell match, but it, it you knew he wasn't going to be part of storyline going further. All it did was damage Seth Rollins' potential. Or I mean, I don't know. It just seems like I guess. I mean, it, if you're if you're already losing one wrestler, why not help him build up? You know, to and you you know or have that feeling that your champion might not be champion or be there for a a full time thing. Maybe you build up another wrestler to uh, be a a highlight, a spotlight. Not that Seth Rollins isn't a big deal, but you also got to remember he lost to a guy that was already injured and used one arm. 
Hey, fun fact. Can anyone name the last time Seth Rollins was won on pay-per-view? Money in the Bank. When? I just wanted to yell Money in the Bank. I mean, honestly, I, I'm, I'm asking this question because I don't know the answer. I, I think it's been a while because he lost to Rollins, uh, or he lost to Cody three times in a row. Like, so, I mean, Other than the DQ finish against Roman, which he won, I do not think he has scored a victory on pay-per-view in possibly a year and a half. Possibly. I mean, I, I think he lost to Edge both times on pay-per-view, too. Um, I, I, this is my thing with Doug's point as well. I don't think it was safe for two reasons. A, I don't think an injured wrestler should ever be going out there to wrestle. If you're good using one arm, that's ridiculous. Like, he was a one-armed man in an ass-kicking contest, and he beat one of your top guys. That's absurd to me. Like, this isn't Brock Lesnar fighting Rey Mysterio with one arm. That makes sense. He's still bigger than Rey Mysterio. But uh, you're telling me that Seth Rollins is so incapable of beating a guy who's literally got his peck bloodied and torn? Like, that that's dumb to me. Um Two, I don't like the precedent. I don't like telling someone, hey, look, Cody wrestled with a torn pec. Why can't you wrestle with a torn ACL? Why can't you wrestle with a dislocated shoulder? No wrestler should feel like they have to wrestle hurt. Like there's an old saying in football, you play hurt, you don't play injured. And to me, Cody Rhodes was injured, which means you're done. You pull that, you do a different match. There's no reason for that. We criticized AEW when they let Matt Hardy continue wrestling after he was clearly knocked loopy. I will say the same thing. It was very clear. Whether Cody wanted to or not, there's a reason in the NFL that you have a concussion doctor who says you can't go back in because you have to protect athletes from themselves. You should have protected Cody from himself. Whether or not he did more damage is irrelevant. It's the fact that you could have, or you could have hurt something else, or you, you know, it just, it's, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think it's a bad move. You could have hurt Rollins just due to the fact that he couldn't pull off a move. Yep. Well, that's how you do too, man. really be with half of your... I mean, I mean, yeah, he absolutely could have hurt Rollins. Um, just, uh, Roger, real quick to your point, um, Rollins' match, of course, against uh, Roman, Roman Reigns was the last one that he won. last one that he had pinned somebody was against Cesaro in June 20th, 2021 at Hell in a Cell. Then before that, he lost to Cesaro. Before that, he had beat Nakamura. So it's so. been over a year since he has scored a decisive, decisive victory on pay-per-view. A singles win because he also won a Survivor Series, but you know. Oh, he won the Survivor Series match. Uh, him was he a Survivor and, or just on the team of Survivors? He was on the team of Survivors. Oh, so, okay. Well, yeah, was, I actually I didn't know he won that. So good for him. Yeah, but Andy, uh, let's move on though to uh, Liv Morgan, who won the Women's Money in the Bank and then cashed in uh, right away on Ronda Rousey and pinned her. Uh, so, Andy, I know you're a huge Liv Morgan fan. Uh, how excited were you that she won the, the SmackDown championship? Well, one, I figured that she was going to cash it in because she said something in the interview right afterwards, something about, uh, I'm going to cherish this or I'm going to enjoy this moment for a while. And I was like, she's cashing in. There's no other way. She cashed in. She, she defeated Ronda. I was kind of shocked about it, but apparently Ronda wanted to put her over. So that was very, that, that says something because, you know, Ronda has been like iffy on who she wants to like, you know, put over. Or who who's allowed to beat her? So I, I was actually shocked about that, but a good for Liv. I mean, like uh, I thought the money in the bank the money in the bank uh, match for the women's was great. I thought they did a good job. Yeah, it was botched, steady, but overall, I thought they told a, a decent story in the ring. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really happy that uh, Liv was able to win and then or uh, get the money in the bank cash it in later that night. So I'm super super happy for her. So. Um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, Doug, do you feel that same way about Liv? Do you think she deserved it? I ain't saying that she didn't deserve to win Money in the Bank, but that cash-in was one of the worst things ever. 
it was very very sad like they didn't even have between natalie and uh ronda they didn't even have that big of a great of a match that you would think that ronda was injured or hurt or anything along those lines ronda should have beat her this should have been a failed cash-in i think that would have even been better for the storyline of Liv morgan she got the money in the bank good job but she couldn't beat ronda and you can go on the fact that, yeah, I wanted the toughest person to wrestle against. So that's why I went after Ronda and she beat me, which, again, I think this is now still 100% now for the women that they've cashed in and won. It was dumb. Do it better. Do it after a cage match. Do it after she gets beat up in a hardcore match. You, you protect Ronda a little bit more than that. That was terrible. Um, I don't. I could care less that Liv is champion, but this was horrible, horrible story writing. So one of the things I've always complained about WWE is they're very predictable. With the exception of Carmella, every single woman who has won the Money in the Bank briefcase has cashed in within like a day. I think like the combined, or maybe two days. I think the combined like held time. I just wanted to note that Carmella won it twice. Yeah, she did win it twice. She's the only one to actually hold it for any length of time. It's like two days, three days, something like that, that all of the other holders. There are people who can cash in immediately, and it's fine. Bailey, we already know her character. We know who she is. Her cashing in immediately is totally fine. Liv Morgan still needs to build a character. Tell a story. Use the Money in the Bank briefcase as a vehicle for her to show that she's cagey or that she's smart or that if you really wanted her to beat Ronda one-on-one, then have her challenge and not cash in. Like If it's a, I want to beat you at your best, then cash in ahead of time. Or let Liv Morgan be an opportunist and smart and go, you know what? I know Ronda's better than me, so I'm going to wait until she's <clears throat> beat down. F- wait till a fatal four-way match happens or a cage match or something that put her in real beat-down territory. Now you come in and win. I, I don't care one way or the other whether or not Liv won. I just have a problem with the predictability. And also, the men's champion isn't even here. If there was a time in which you could actually have both of them keep the briefcases because the men's winner isn't going to be using it anytime soon. Why not let the women's briefcase walk around and talk about and let her, I don't know. Are you allowed to cash in for either one? I don't know what the rules are on the money in the bank briefcase anymore. Yeah, it's either think, championship. You yeah, she was on Raw originally anyway. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so let her go back and forth and even have her show up in NXT for a couple of weeks and say, I might cash it in on, I don't know who the women's champion is, but you know, pick some irrelevant superstar who it is. Sure. I mean, I don't know. It's probably Manny still, but there was an opportunity missed. And this is the theme of WWE for the last, who knows how many years since Vince has taken over, but you know, this does nothing for me. Her reign will probably be very forgettable and much like uh, Nikki's reign last year, or I can't remember who won the year before, but I don't think it was particularly memorable. Then it will be another, was it? Oh, was it? Was it Oscar at the uh, Nikki Ash? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Nikki Ash. Nikki won last year. Two years ago, Oscar won it because that's when Becky left from being pregnant. So that and that reign was fine, though it was kind of in, you know, it it, it is what it was. But yeah, this was a missed opportunity. I don't think this will end well for Liv Morgan. And in six months, I suspect she'll be right in the exact same position she was like Big E before them or many of the other champions who have former WWE champions still stuck in the mid card perpetually. Well, and to your point, Roger, you said that like having a character and I, I think she has a little bit of one, but one of the things that, you know, and this is just spitballing, like she could have easily said, you know, it was always a dream mine as a little girl to main event WrestleMania. And I have a couple of different opportunities. One is to win the Royal Rumble. And I've been, I've, uh, I've been unable to do that. You know, and it's really tough. There's 30 other women, 29 other women. I can't do that. 
but I have this and I can cash this in at any point in time. And so I'm going to hold this until WrestleMania and then I'm going to go ahead and do it. And, you know, that's, I mean, that would be smart. Like that'd be a, a really great way in order to, you know, say like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then she can, you know, go after somebody for it. So, um, you know, I, I think that there was a missed opportunity and I, I don't like the fact that somebody they did this with, with men's when they had one for a world heavyweight and then the WWE title, um, they always had somebody cash in within like, you know, a week of having it. And then the other person would hold it for much longer. I hated that. You can have two people hold that and have it hold it for a long time. All right. So let's, th- let's talk about something also kind of interesting. So Austin theory opened uh, the pay-per-view up lost to Bobby Lashley, which was uh, congratulations, to Bobby Lashley. Great job. Deserves it. Definitely. But um, the weird part was that Austin Theory came in to Men's Money in the Bank match because why not? Because Adam Pierce is like, hey, I never got to wrestle in WWE, so let's do this. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, yeah, so he won. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just a little shocked about it, about the fact that they decided to uh, have Theory win it. But I think I have a theory on it. I actually do think that because uh, he has a similar build to Cena, he just thinks that because of the similar build, he's like, I think I see money in this guy. So, but yeah, so Austin Theory, he won money in the bank. I just I don't care about it. So, Roger, what do you think? I think Austin Theory winning isn't a bad idea because money in the bank should be helping to elevate the future superstars or, you know, giving a heel a chance to cash in. Um, question. How can Austin Theory cash this in? There's no champion. Roman Reigns is just not present. So, cool, he has a briefcase that he literally cannot use. This is the same problem we had when Brock was champion. Money in the Bank winner means nothing when you can't cash in. Like, if I'm Austin Theory, I would just watch the ring and be like, well, champion's not here, I'm cashing in, I win the championship. Oh, he'd win the match, but he can't win the championship for a 10 count. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, you know, I, they used to have that rule, right? You have to defend your championship every 30 days. Clearly, that is not an effect anymore. Um, I, I don't understand. And also, again, do I believe that Theory will cash in at the end of Last Man Standing? No. That, there's no way I think he's going to be the guy who stands tall at the end of uh, Roman versus Brock. So I, is it the right move? Yes. Are there other things in place that make this unfortunately not work? Yes. Theory cashing on Seth versus Roman makes total sense. It'd be great if we weren't doing Brock versus Roman part 72, but we are. And Roman is gone filming Hollywood movies, and you have to walk around with a briefcase that, I mean, it doesn't mean anything if you can't cash in. That is what Money in the Bank is supposed to be. You can cash in at any time. He basically has nothing more than just a guaranteed title at some point when the champion shows up one of five days. I mean, it's just... You lose all meaning, and this is basically the G1 Climax contract at this point. When Theory wins, is this how you break up the belts? Because the, the problem was, with when Brock went, was part-time, you at least had the other belt to be able to cash in on. Roman has both. So when he cashes in, is it going to be one of those things where Theory can pick which belt he gets, or does he get to pick both? think he could be the guy who cashes in and gets pinned and gets beat at last man standing like they'll do some stupid triple threat nonsense where someone puts him down and then they win that nobody or well that's last man standing so it's got to be what the you have to answer the 10 count sure but it's so, so last man standing match is a bit weird because like okay 
But that would be the thing is like I could see them doing this, and, and again, this is dumb, but it's the only it's one of the plausible things that I could see him do. That they both can't answer the ten count because of some big move he cashes in, but he's the only one standing. Oh God, that's gonna happen. So he, can he stop? Can he stop? It's giving just the theory I have. So wait. So basically, if he was smart, he would wait till both of them are down at nine and then cash in and say, "I'm joining the match." And then when the ref hits ten, he wins both belts and runs out of there. Honestly, that's a great ultimate opportunist move. I'm okay with that. I can respect I would it. Watch that more than I would watch any of the nonsense they're going to do with Brock and Roman anyway. I'm be, all in. But be, the reason why I like it because it reminds me of when Seth Rollins came in. That's why. I remi- that's why I think it's a decent idea. Now, do I and want you still to have protect Brock and Roman by both of them? You do, but you have to have something where they just can't stand up. Like, I look at the uh, was it Super Rock? Punch through the ring? You Remember could do the that. Big Show spot. I was yeah. also looking thinking about um, didn't the Rocket pin or didn't he pin McFoley like with the with the forklift? Like yeah. something along those lines. If he was able to do that when they're quote unquote down, duct tape them to the rope, duct tape something like that. Duct-tape yes, both of them to the bottom of the post. Yep. Or you, or you say that, or you make it so the, the ring, we'll say the ring, ring breaks, where they can't stand up at all, so they're not be able to get their balance because the ring is slanted, and he like pushed them down or something like that, and just be like, oh, I won, oh my gosh, this is gonna happen. Oh. But like I just say, with that said, I am not in any way, shape, or form excited for Lane Reigns and Lesnar going at it again. I just think that this is a like they want this to be like the. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, or like the Hogan and Yokozuna, maybe. I, I don't know what they're trying to do, but they're trying to make this something that it's not. And you have to let it breathe a little bit more because doing it every other year, or really, it's like every year. You, no, you, twice you, a year. Like, You've seen well, yeah, twice, twice this year. And then, like, I, it wasn't the previous year, but it was the year before that one and the year before that. And it's just like, we're not interested in this. Like, you cannot have this as often as you do because it's not exciting. Seeing Jake Hagar and Cesaro go at it, you know, was interesting because it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They used to wrestle at some point in time. Like, five years ago, they wrestled each other. It's been five years. I'm actually kind of interested in this as a mid-card match. That's interesting. I'm not, I, I don't want to see this. I will not be watching this main event, except for maybe, I guess, to see if there's a cash. I guess maybe that's the only thing that makes it exciting is that. How many times have Brock and Roman fought now on pay-per-view? I, we could probably look up the numbers. I, I don't want to waste, uh, have too much dead air, but I'd be willing to say... Like, over under, over under. The only fight on pay-per-view? Like, they've done three WrestleManias, two SummerSlams. I know they did a Saudi show. So that's at least six. Yeah. I, I just got, I got it right here. Seven so times. I looked it up, and actually it said they had seven total matches against each other. Has Brock fought anyone else more than like two times? Hey, Russell, take her a couple times, you know? Yep, he fought Taker twice. He fought Hunter twice. I think he fought Cena twice. I'm trying to think anyone else I can think of. Rollins, I think he fought twice. Once at WrestleMania and once at SummerSlam. Usually it sets at threes because you have the 50 50 booking and then a uh, rubber match. Well, like Brock. Uh, Lost actually, Brock lost to Seth twice. I think he cashed in on Seth though, so that was like their third. Brock has only fought McIntyre once, I believe. He's fought Lashley once, I believe. Braun Strowman once. Not that he's still with the company, but there are so many Brock Lesnar matches that we'd actually want to watch, and yet we keep getting Brock versus Roman for the umpteenth time. Like Brock versus AJ was great. Why have I never gotten Brock versus AJ too? Did we ever get Brock versus Bobby? Yeah, Rumble. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And it, and guess who interfered? Roman Reigns. Because if if Roman is not on screen, all the characters should be asking, "Where's Roman Reigns?" I mean, I'm pretty sure they are asking that right now. Yeah, that's that's just yeah, that's Roman. So yeah, Roman Lesnar, SummerSlam, whatever, it's happening. Everyone, get your popcorn ready. I'm really excited. Really excited. So. Let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster or you're just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs with a free side builder and hands down the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try free demo. See how easy it is. And if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're going to save 25% off your web hosting packages. So what are you going to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite every web hosting cost. And make sure you check out the off the mark section 86 page and click on the banner time to say big on items from shop.com. So, I mean, like this has been a very, very um, uh, interesting year. So, Roger, so far we've, we've got a lot of injuries. Uh, basically, it hasn't even been a year. I mean, like... Right now, I mean, like, I think the biggest, I think the biggest, there's two big injuries, I believe. I think Kenny Omega and Big E's are probably the worst ones. But, I mean, is there any that stand out? And, and are you kind of, like, shocked that there's so many people that got injured? I mean, wrestling is a contact sport, despite it being entertainment and scripted. It, it still takes a toll on the body. So, I'm not shocked that there's injuries. I'm shocked that there have been so many injuries concentrated seemingly at the top of the card. I mean, Big E won the Money in the Bank last year, was the former champion, and, what, broken neck. Um, Kenny Omega, obviously, was the face of AEW, had that really, you know, rain, long reign. Um, Adam Cole... King of Hearts, you know, separated his shoulder. I think the biggest one that hit him, though, is CM Punk. I mean, he literally just won the AEW World Championship, and now he's out. Brian Danielson, you know, might be the biggest name in AEW. He's out. It's just so many people. Cody Rhodes, that was a huge jump from him going back from AEW, kind of a founder going um, to WWE. He obviously has a torn pec. I think all of the injuries are, you know, they're unfortunate, no question. But it does highlight a very different philosophy between the two companies in that AEW hasn't missed a beat. All those people gone. We just named Danielson and Punk and Cole. That would be a death knell for most companies. You lose three of those big names. And yet AEW just inserts Moxley and all the other great names that they have. They bring in a guy like Cesaro and you're like, oh, they're still fantastic. Whereas, you know, WWE, right? They're not clicking on all cylinders and having a deep roster helps because there are going to be things you cannot control, whether it's your superstar getting behind a wheel, willing shouldn't, or he dislocates your shoulder, or he's just beat up from years of, of wrestling, fantastic matches in Omega. So you need depth. I mean, it's true in sports and it's true in wrestling. And the more bench guys that you have that you can trust to step up, the better it is when you are overly reliant on three guys, the way WWE is one of those guys goes down and one of the guys leaves. You're left with, kind of nothing so i think these injuries kind of highlight why you want to have eight guys in the main event and 10 guys in the main event not just brock first roman part nine it's always bad to have injury after an injury or any injury but um you would think wwe would be better suited for this because they don't plan anything you know until the day of the event uh, where AEW does have long-term booking, so you get an injury, and all of a sudden you have to put all that back on the back burner and keep, you know uh, come up with something new and, and fast. But yet it is AEW who is okay. They they took it. All right, cool. Let's do this. But that is because they have a deep roster, and that's because they're willing to put more people at the top. WWE, we are going to focus on four or five people. 
unfortunately, that's that is the focus. So I think Roger nailed it on the head on that one. And just until they come back, it's see what you do. And a lot of professional sports, they say it's next man up, and that's what it should be in wrestling, right? You know, when Punk went down, Moxie was the next man up, and I think with WWE, it should be similar, right? Cody Rhodes goes down, should be the next man up. Problem is when you don't have as deep of a bench, it makes it really tough. And when you have Rowan Reigns have both titles and go away, who's the focus on? You know, with, with WWE, and honestly, I don't know. Like, I, that's I think one of the biggest issues is I don't think that there is a focus right now on any particular wrestler, even a group of wrestlers. There's nothing within WWE right now that is making it interesting for me to watch. And even in AEW, I think that they have a little bit of an issue with that, but I'm more interested in watching their program because at least there's other people they can focus in on and they can hide some of the issues that they're having. So that way they can focus in on their strengths. And in particular, they can focus in on the, the tag division. They can focus in on a very good mid card. And WWE, unfortunately, right now, they can't do that. And I really hope that they have some changes that come in uh, sometime soon where they can elevate some stars. I think they're trying to elevate Austin Theory. Might be a little too soon for that, but at least they're trying. They're trying to do somebody new. And I hope they continue that trend because they have a lot of star power there. They have a lot of talent. They have Finn Balor. They have AJ Styles. They have Seth Rollins. They have a lot of really great talent that's there that's kind of floundering, and I really hope that they elevate them soon with some of these injuries. Yeah, you know, I think we you guys mentioned something earlier about the fact that, you know, WWE is hurting. Like, there's no other way to put it. WWE is hurting. And then you look at AEW, and you're like, oh, my gosh, look at these people. This person's down. This person's down. This person's down. And you guys are right. Like, it doesn't seem like they missed a beat. Maybe, maybe that's actually what the new formula should be for wrestling, where you have – a bunch of guys, but you just don't need them come out every week. Have them come out two to three times a month. You can put them on like an AEW. They did a good thing. I think with having the YouTube show, if for the fans that watch everything, that's a big deal. I, I still think, I still believe that is because even if they're not wrestling, if they appear on there, they're still doing something. So they're still in the mix and maybe they're, maybe they want to hide an injury. They could always just have them come on, on uh, be the, being the elite all the time. Or even just having wrestling on dark. So, but yeah, these these injuries have really really hurt. I mean, like, you know, uh, of the of all of them that have happened, I think the one that still uh, was the biggest one was CM Punk. Uh, but I think the 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 most disturbing one was uh, Ricky Boggs when he tore a squad. It was just shades of Triple H. Ugh. And with Kenny, that, Omega, that was really hard to see. Yeah, and and with Kenny Omega, not sure if he's ever going to come back. I mean, that's that's really like I'm actually worried about that. He may say like I'm done. I, I would hate to have that happen, but you know he oh, could do he it. Clear, that statement was taken out of context. What he said was, if he has a setback in his rehab, he's done using a style that he's always used. So he's oh. just going to move away from that style of, of whatever he's doing that's causing him the injury. So he's not saying I'm walking away. He's just saying that like, if I can't get back to where I was, I'm done being that version of Kenny Omega. Okay. Okay, that's a little bit better. But still, it would be kind of nice to have the old Kenny Omega come back. But Brian Danielson, when he changed up his style, um, I will say I didn't really notice much. Except that he wasn't doing a lot of like head stuff. Like uh, like flying like headbutts and stuff like that, which I, I like I didn't care for anyway. So it just seems like he's just kicking butt. So, well, and that's okay too because if you think about it, and like you get older, I mean, can you keep doing that when you're in your forties? You know, like, and I would like to see Omega Russell into his forties. I mean, Jericho's doing he's fifty, he's fifty one, and like Jericho, honestly, it's it's fantastic that he's able to do that, especially after like the health scare that he had recently. Like the fact that he's able to get out there and 
you know, do blood and guts and bleed all over the place and do a barbed wire match with Eddie Kingston. Like, kudos to him for being able to do that and put over that talent. But you don't see Jericho, I mean, he does the line salt, but you don't see him doing, like, too many crazy moves, and you don't see him doing that often. He's jumped off the cage before, you know? I think it was, like, five years ago he jumped off the cage. But that was once, you know? Like, you don't see him doing that all the time. And Omega to, like, look, fantastic matches, but if you do that every single night, one, it's not special anymore, and two, you have a, a short, a much shorter shelf life. And Doug, I know that he's you know one of your favorite wrestlers probably of all time. I mean, like, I'm sure you would like to see a, a style change, right? Like, you probably want to see something that's gonna you know make him last a little bit longer than you know another two years. No, I, I'm I'm devastated by Omega's injury, but at the same time, it is one of those things that he can he can bounce back from. Um, <clears throat> And even if it is just one of those things, I think he has the persona that he could just even come out and just be there. All he has to do is be there and he can elevate a person, elevate, uh, you know, being a manager or, or just being the side person for a little bit and, uh, you know, a, a leader in the back and everything like that. And I think that's what he wants to also transition to eventually, but um, hopefully we'll see him back soon. And if it's a change of style, he can do it. If that's what makes it available for him to come back, he can do it. It doesn't matter. All he has to do is be on the screen, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to be happy with what he, he can do and put out because he is just he, – he is Omega. I hear there's a VP position open in AEW, so might be able to might be able to slide into that role. Pretty sure he already has that, but – Yeah. Um, so you guys brought up a good point, and oddly enough, I don't think you were intending to, but there's a little bit of play on words because AJ Styles very famously said, there's a certain – you have a bump card, and mm-hmm. once that expires, it's over. He famously changed up his style. You know, you watch him in Men 05. He's not the same wrestler that he is right now. He's still great. He's still fantastic, but it's a different style. Shawn Michaels, his first run and his second run are completely different. Those two barely feel like the same wrestler. If it wasn't for Sweet Chin Music and you recognize him, they don't wrestle the same way because as you get older, it transitions. You know, there are very few people who can keep doing what they do as they get older. Even Brock changed his style as he got older. I don't know if it's necessarily for the better, but, you know, his style had to change. You know, Bret Hart, if you're wrestling that style, you can wrestle that kind of style for 30, 40 years. So be it. But the Shawn Michaels, the Daniel Bryans, the, you know, CM Punk style is different. It just it's a part of aging. And we want to watch Kenny Omega into his 40s and his 50s. Best bout machine is over. He doesn't need to be that guy anymore. He established himself as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Now it's time to transition into the next phase of Kenny Omega. And I'm sure he'll be great at it because he's Kenny Omega. But, you know, we got plenty of high flyers in AEW. It's not like we're going to lose out on guys who can go and do some crazy stuff off the top rope. But I'd much rather get five to ten years of quality Omega than him burn himself out in two years. Will Ospreay. I love Will Ospreay watching him. But he could not have kept up at that pace that he was doing a few years ago where it seemed like he was on a mission to just kill himself. And now he's still wrestles fantastic matches but he's not just you know beating down his body i love darby allen he keeps up at this pace he ain't going to be wrestling much longer it just you know at some point you have to say look my body can only take so many bumps it's time to learn how to wrestle a different style and the weird part about him is i don't think he needs to take the bumps like he was earlier i think that now he can go ahead and just have like i think someone should probably hopefully someone goes up to him like hey let's cut that down it's not needed I hope Mick Foley has a conversation with him and just walks in front of him and says, hey, I get the bumps. This is the cost. 
Just understand that there is a real-life cost to taking these insane bumps that will make you a legend. But I don't think Mick Foley can walk without pain. Like, I, you know, does he regret going off the cell in 98? Probably not. Does he wish that he had a better quality of life at the end of his wrestling career? Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, injuries are, are tough in, in the world of wrestling, so, but... Um, I'm going to throw one out there for you guys. I'm just kind of curious. Do we have any news on the AEW game? Anything new? Turn it. We know it's called Fight Forever. We want it to be out this year. Probably not. Um, the one good news we did hear is that I think Tony Khan mentioned that all of the new signees are going to be in the game. So a lot of people who were worried about, like, oh, there's going to be a cutoff. They're like, nope, guys who have been signed even recently are still getting into the game. I think he specifically name-checked Adam Cole. So, you know, that whole, you know, anybody at All Out, Brian Danielson can be in, things like that. Cody Rhodes and, is still even in it. Uh, yeah, they said they confirmed Cody's going to stay in the game. Um, my thing is this, as much as I would love to have it this year, I don't want a half finished game in 2022. I want the best game. I want no mercy part two in 2023. And if I have to wait a year for quality, so be it. I've waited what no mercy came out in 2000. I've waited 22 years for a good wrestling game. I can wait 23, but you only get one chance to make a first impression. If you rush a game and it sucks, it's dead in the water before it begins. So take all the time you need to polish it and keep adding whoever you need to add. We'll be fine. But would you rather have like a base game come out first? And say, hey, this is going to be the game. We're going to continue to work on it. It's not going to be like uh, an updated roster every year. We want to have one game engine. We want to have it. So like every like two or three years, we make some big change. Like, would you rather have it where, hey, we can't get all the, you know, like the things that No Mercy had, but they can get a, a good chunk of it. Would that be okay to put out now and then just say, hey, we're going to work on it for the next year? I don't want you putting out anything until the gameplay itself and the features are fully fleshed out. If you need to add wrestlers down the road, then do that DLC. But I don't want you having to put in matches down the road. I don't want you to have to change your mechanics in a year. I want the game to basically be flawless as you can get. And then worry about the roster down the road. Because I can create a player. Like, I, I can fix the roster myself. If the gameplay just sucks, I mean, I, I can't fix that. There's nothing I can do about that. So get that right. Get the foundation steady and add on down the road. I'd be great if they released a new game once every four years and just gave me a little roster update. I'd be happy to pay for that subscription. But... Do not rush this game. Just do not rush it. There's no need, and there's just no value to rushing it out. We're going to buy it whether it's 2022 or 2023. It just depends on how often we're going to be playing it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's just hope. Uh, hopefully, they put out an alpha or a beta so we all can get in and start playing. But we'll see. Anyway, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Altmark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast. And I want to thank all our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Caven, Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring.